like Brother Rain said, we came three years ago. Uh, we hadn't been in Arkansas long. We had just we moved here July the 9th of 2019. Wow. So uh, we hadn't been in Arkansas long. And Brother Rains called me and invited me to this conference, and we came and stayed for just one day, and then went back that night. And uh, we was very busy just moving in. And then uh, he asked me about coming last year. We was looking forward to it, and it got canceled. So he called me and asked me about coming to this year. And he said that he wanted me to preach on what the Lord has taught me. And the Lord's taught me so much. I mean, I'm just a I'm just old dumb boy from country boy from Louisiana. I mean, and uh, as soon as you said that, the message I'm going to preach this morning came to my mind because. I can stand up here and share with you how the Lord has worked in my life and how He opened my eyes to the fact that I was lost and how He uh, opened my eyes to doctrines of grace and how He has uh, put me and my wife together. I mean, I lived in Louisiana and kept waiting on somebody to be dumb enough to fall in love with me in Louisiana. I know the feeling, It just didn't happen. I had this good friend of mine and she's like, well, honey, have you ever thought about going online? I said, man, them online things, they're just like, them commercials ain't live. Nobody meets anybody online. So they said. And uh, she says, well, if you don't go and make your profile, I'm going to do it. Oh. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do it for six months. I said, but it's never going to work. I said, you don't meet people on there. And I said, uh, if I don't meet anybody in six months, I'll just take it. The Lord meant for me to be single. Well, about five months in, uh, Leanne contacts me. And uh, it's like, she lives in Kentucky, Lord. How in the world is this going to work? <laughs> Why don't you let me meet somebody from Louisiana that I don't know? It's been a whole lot easier. But I got to checking out her profile, and she was a missionary kid. And I was like, man, she was everything I was praying for in a wife. Because at that point, the Lord had called me to preach. He just hadn't given me a wife. And uh, I said, this can't be. And I struggled with it. I really did. Now I finally contacted her and we talked for several months long distance and I finally went to go meet her. But let me just put it this way. By the time I went to meet her, I already knew I was married. I contacted my sister and told her, here, there's a picture of my future wife. And my sister's like, do you know something that you haven't told me? I said, well, she doesn't even know yet. And I said, but I know. And uh, it's been wonderful. The Lord put us together. And one year and one week after our, uh, we were married, I was called as pastor of Riverside Baptist Church in Trail, Kentucky. And uh, so we've been past, I've been pastoring for almost as long as I've been married. And then uh, we ended up here in Arkansas. But I want to share with you tonight, today, this morning, uh, a passage that the Lord... Uh, used 
if you will, to get me to surrender to preach. Sure enough. Sure enough. Yeah. He'd been dealing with me for a long time, calling me to preach, and I had every excuse in the book. He said, you don't want me to preach, Lord. No, not me. I can't do it anyway. You're looking at a man standing before you this morning who used to take zeros before I would stand up in front of my class and give an all book report. I was not a public speaker. And let's just say I didn't always walk with the Lord. The Lord saved me and I wandered away for some time. I was a prodigal son. I'd come back home and I thought, sure, the Lord never used me now. I'll just come and worship the Lord, sit on a pew, and that's all He'll use me for. So when He began to deal with me about preaching His Word, my pastor had actually asked me to preach. And I wouldn't call it preach. I would say I was speaking that night. And uh, I went to this passage, and I was planning on preaching this passage that night so I could kind of throw this out and challenge some others that you know, that might have excuses for not doing the Lord's work because what I find in most churches is you got 10% of, 10% of the people doing 90% of the work. Amen. And the other 90% of the people just make excuses about not doing it. And so I figured, oh, I'll just throw this out there at them and defeat every one of their excuses. And I began to study this message and put this message together and pass it to Lo and behold, it was every excuse I was using. Turn if you will to Exodus chapter 3. I got to talking and forgot all about reading the text. Turn to Exodus chapter 3. Everybody's familiar with this passage. Uh, but I'll tell you, it really came to life for me back in February 2008. That's when I surrendered to preach. It was February 2008. It was after preparing the message I'm going to give you tonight. I've changed it a little bit. The uh, outline is nothing like the one I came up with. I actually got a little alliteration that I use now. Back then, I just used the excuses that Moses made here in this passage. But Exodus chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 12. And then we will go to the Lord in prayer. Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even a horde. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he's afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, 
And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a, a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee, when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning, Lord, so thankful for this opportunity to preach your word. Father, I do thank you for each one that's here this morning. Thank you for this uh, church and what it stands for. Thank you for this pastor. And Father, I just appreciate the fellowship that we was able to have this morning and Father, I, I just want to ask that you would be pleased to use me this morning. Father, I'm so thankful that you called me to preach your word and given me this great privilege and opportunity and honor to be a man of God, to preach the word of God. And Father, as I stand here this morning, I know that I am so unworthy. Father, I'm so thankful that you are worthy and that you have called me and given me this great privilege. Father, I do lift up the many on our, that are sick, Lord. I know in my church back in Plummerville, Lord, your church, the church you have called me to pastor. Father, I pray for Brother Jack Moore. Father, I ask that you would be with him and his family. I know he what family he has and uh while i didn't even share with the people that brother jack's dad passed away this morning and i'm gonna have to be going back to minister to him but father i pray that you'll just comfort him be with him and be with that family in the passing brother don moore but father i pray this morning that you might use me to be a blessing and an encouragement to the people that are here i thank you for each pastor that's here this morning Father, he's preacher of God's word. And I pray that the message that I have this morning might be encouraging to them and might also be of help to someone else that you are dealing with. Father, I just pray that your will be done. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I do want to share with y'all this morning to please pray for Brother Jack Moore. He's a deacon in the church here of Portland Missionary Baptist Church at Plummerville. One of my deacons, uh, his dad passed away this morning, went home to be with the Lord. I got to call at 1.15 this morning, and uh, he told me, go on and do what you have to do, and I'll go meet the funeral home, but I do want to go back to minister to him and be with him. Uh, Brother Jack's dad was 90 years old, and uh, he's lived a full life. Brother Jack was an only kid. 
His mom's already passed on. His, now his dad has passed on. Brother Jack's wife, Karen, passed away back in June. So now he's lost his wife and his dad. And uh, they had no children. So Brother Jack is there. He is around his in-laws. His wife had a sister and some nieces. Uh, and so he has them. But do pray for Brother Jack more, if you will. And pray for us as we go to minister to them. Uh, we will be praying for this conference. I was so looking forward to staying. And I enjoy conferences. I mean, they're such a blessing to me. I get so much from them. And preachers need preach to also, you know. I enjoy hearing other men preach. And uh, I hate that I'm going to miss it. But uh, do pray for us. And uh, pray for Brother Jack. But as I said, this is the passage that the Lord used to get me to surrender to preach. We see him appearing unto Moses and calling Moses to go and deliver his people out of Egypt. And what you need to understand about Moses, and I know all of you probably know this, is Moses was a fugitive from Egypt. He killed an Egyptian who he seen abusing an Israelite, a Hebrew, a Jew. He's 80 years old. And the Lord tells him He's going to send him to Pharaoh to deliver his people out of Egypt. I imagine Moses probably felt like I did when the Lord called me to preach. You got the wrong man. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Here's Moses, 80 years old, a fugitive from Egypt, if you was looking for someone to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, would you call Moses? Moses would have been the last person you would have thought of. And when the Lord called me to preach, I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is he doing? Does he know who he, yeah, he knows who he's talking to? But no one would have chose Moses. But God did. Yeah, this was the man that God wanted to deliver his people from Egypt. Now, who do you think God would call or use to tell sinners about the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely he's not going to call another sinner to tell sinners about the Lord Jesus Christ. But that's exactly what he did. That's right. He had angels he could have used, but he chose to use sinners. Yes. Sinners like you and sinners like me. When most Christians finally realize that 
God has saved them to tell others about Him, they began to do the same thing that Moses did. They began to do the same thing I did. No, Lord, not me. I mean, I have not talked to any of the pastors here about this, but when the Lord first began to deal with your heart about preaching the Word of God, was you... Yes, sir! No, most preachers I talked to were like me. They struggled with it. I mean, I struggled with it for a while. In fact, there was another young man surrendered to preach one night and the whole time I'm sitting in my pew, the Holy Spirit's just nailing me. You know, I've been dealing with you about this. When are you going to surrender? Well, he had to use this passage. Because I had every excuse in the book. I thought I had some good excuses. Maybe it'll be that God would use the two chapters we're going to look at this morning to get someone to quit with their excuses and start doing what the Lord has saved them to do. So let's look now here at Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. And I'm going to preach for a little while on God's answers for man's excuses. And I use that title because he's, this is God's answers for man's excuses. But this could be titled God's answers for my excuses. Because as I studied this passage, getting all excited and ready to just let these other people have it about their excuses, the Lord opened my eyes that this was every every excuse that Moses used is excuses that I was using myself. And the Lord defeated every one of those excuses in this passage. Look, if you will, at verses 11 and 12. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he says, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses' first excuse for not doing what God had called him to do is that he wasn't able. We have here the excuse of inability. Moses says, Who am I? Many of God's people feel the same way. We feel that we're just not as qualified as someone else is. You know, it's still intimidating for me to get up and preach to a room full of preachers. I feel so inadequate. And I'll be honest with you, I've used some of these same excuses when I get called to go preach somewhere and I'm like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. I still got these excuses why I can't do this. But notice how God defeats this excuse. He tells Moses, certainly, I will be with thee. Yes. You see, I don't stand up here before you this morning all alone. Amen. I stand up here in the presence of God, and it's God who enables me 
to do what I do. When we begin to make the excuse to God about who am I, I'm not able to do what you would have me do. We're saying that God doesn't know what He's doing. You see, if God has called you to do something, if He has given you a task and laid a burden on your heart for something, that He's chosen you, knowing who you are and who knows you best, you or God. Notice that he also tells Moses here that when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses didn't feel like he was able. He was unqualified, but God tells him, look, I will be with thee, and not only will I go with thee, but when ye come back and have brought forth the children out of Egypt, Ye shall serve me upon this mountain. In other words, he's going to accomplish what God has called him to do. Now, there's several applications that can be made here to our lives to do to, uh, today. If God has called us, He has done so with full knowledge of our weaknesses and inabilities. <clears throat> Psalm 103, 14 says, For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. No one knows you like God knows you. If God has called you, he knows that you can accomplish what he would have you to do through his power. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What did he say there? He, he said, I can do those things. I can do what you choose to do. No, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The biggest problem Christians have today for not doing what God has saved them to do is that they forget that nothing is impossible for God. Amen. They think that they have to do something for God in their own power, depending upon their own abilities, when you'll never accomplish anything that way. The only way you'll accomplish anything for the Lord is through Christ. When the Lord sends us to do His work, He never sends us alone. <clears throat> Jesus says, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Your excuse is one of inability. Then you need to send that excuse right back to the devil where it came from. Sure enough. Because one thing the devil will do is try to get you to doubt the call of God. He'll use, get you to believe in that you're not able, and you're not. 
But He is. The Lord is able. If He can use an old country boy from Dillon Springs, Louisiana, or another little country boy from Springfield, Louisiana, I enjoy meeting Brother James down there. He's actually from the same parish in Louisiana where I'm from. But let's look on. I'll be here all day. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 22. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers have sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, have sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and have seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews, have met with us, and now let us go, we beseech ye, the three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand, and I will stretch out my hand as mighty Egypt with all of my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. Every woman shall borrow of her neighbors and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. After telling God all about his inabilities, Moses begins to talk about his inadequacies. He's saying to the Lord, I just don't know about enough about who you are. Many of God's people are in the same shape today. We think that we don't know enough about God. That no one will ever believe us when we tell them that God has sent us to them. God's response to Moses here is to remind him that he is dying. While Moses may be inadequate, the God who calls him and equips him certainly wasn't. In essence, God is saying to Moses, just do as I say, and I'll show you who I am 
when you need me to. You just go to Egypt as I've already called you to do. And I'll show you what I can do through you. This is exactly how the Lord works in our lives. He leads us out to follow Him by faith when we know very little about Him or His ways. How much did you know about the Lord when you was first saved? Mm. When the Lord first saved you by His grace, did you know all about Him? No, He, he knew very little. How many times has He proven Himself to you over the years? How many times has He met needs for you when you saw no way of seeing those needs met? How many times has He proven Himself to you over and over again and yet you stand before Him refusing to do what He's called you to do? Excuse. Can I tell you something this morning? You'll never find yourself in a situation or in a place that God isn't aware of. Amen. He's able and will enable you to do things that you think that is unable to be handled. <clears throat> Following the Lord by faith is a very scary thing. I quit a good paying job in Louisiana to move to Louisiana to marry my wife to Louisiana. Move to Kentucky to marry my wife. I had a promise of a job when I got there. So I felt pretty confident that that's where the Lord wanted me to be. Then we get there and we get married and the job that I was promised did not pan out. The guy that had promised me a job had a heart attack the day before we was married. Wow. And wasn't able to get me a job at that time. I was upset. I didn't know what to do. What's her mom and dad going to think about this boy moving from uh, Louisiana to Kentucky and now he don't even have a job? But I got some good in-laws. And uh, I did find a job. I went to work for FedEx, delivering um, for FedEx for a little while. And then that job I was promised came through and I got that job before the Lord called me to preach. Um, well, he called me to preach before he called me to pastor the church there in Eastern Kentucky. What people always tend to do when God calls them to do something is they forget to add God into their calculations. They say, oh, I can't do this. I don't know enough, Lord, to do what you're calling me to do. People will never believe me, Lord. But we tend to forget that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask for. Do you think that Noah felt adequate when God called him to build the ark. <laughs> Imagine that for a moment. God caused Noah to build an ark. 
Because he said he's going to send rain upon the earth. It never rained up to that time. Moses began to build that ark and people laughed at him. They thought he lost his mind. And a lot of times when we do what the Lord has called us to do, we're going to have people who we thought were our friends who will laugh at us and call you idiots. I have went back and went to funerals for people I used to run around with before I began to serve the Lord. And they say, I heard you was preaching. Yeah, I am. They disappear. They don't want nothing to do with me. They get as far away from me as they can. Like, whatever I got is going to be contagious. <laughs> Think about all the people that God used in the Word of God. People just like you and I. Nobodies. If God can do that, use them, He can use you. Look on at chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord have not appeared unto thee. The Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? He said, A rod. He said, Cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. He put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, have appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. He put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. He put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, that they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take it of water of the river, and pour it out upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. Here we had an excuse of inferiority. And I can't pronounce that word. The Lord has handled every excuse that Moses has. And Moses still is not willing to do what God has called him to do. He says that no one will believe him. And many believers feel this exact same way. The truth is, most of us feel that we're inferior to the others around us. We've had this wonderful, amazing transformation take place in our lives. We've been saved by the grace of God. 
And God has changed us into new creatures. We're not the same people we used to be. It's very obvious to anyone that something has happened to us that we think they won't believe us. When the Lord saved me, there was a change yes. in me. People knew that something had happened and they would believe me if I told them because they saw it. They saw the change that had taken place. So let's just get rid of that excuse also. Now let's look on at verses 10 through 17. Moses then said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who have made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. He said, O oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth and I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be even, he shall be to the, thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs. And one last attempt to get out what God has called him to do. Moses refers to some kind of speech impediment. Now we don't know exactly what kind of speech impediment Moses had. He said he wasn't an eloquent speaker. And as you can tell this morning, I'm not an eloquent speaker. In fact, I stumble around and stutter myself at times. And that's what a lot of people think is that Moses had some kind of stirring problem. But whatever it was that Moses had, he used this excuse to not do what God called him to do. And as I've already said, many of God's children are just like Moses. People will look at their lack of education, a physical handicap, their age, their income, you name it. And they'll use that as an excuse to not do what the Lord has called them to do. I don't have a college education. I've never been to Bible college. I'm not... I wasn't that young when the Lord called me to preach, believe it or not. I was 41 years old when I surrendered to preach. Never think that you're too old to be used by God. Amen. Amen. Young people, 
never think that you're too young to be. That's right. That's right. Do y'all realize that I was in third grade on a school bus going home? And I didn't live in a Christian home. I would make sellers blush with the way I spoke. Because that's all I heard at home. And I was on that bus going home from school and I was letting somebody have it using words that some of them probably never heard before. And this little girl looked at me and she said, Lonnie, are you a Christian? And I sat there silent because I didn't know what a Christian was. I sat there and thought about it for the longest, trying to figure out what in the world is she talking about am I a Christian? And I told her, I said, I don't know. I have to go home and ask my mom and dad. And she looked at me and she says, if you don't know, then you're not. Three years later, my mom's Avon lady invited me to vacation Bible school down the road at the church right down the road from me. It was there that God opened my eyes that I was lost. It was there that He saved me by His grace. And who went to that church but that same little girl who three years earlier asked me if I was a Christian. I got to know her family pretty good. In fact, I ate supper with them one night. And as we sat at that table, her dad went around the table and asked how the day went and if there was anybody they wanted to pray for. And it dawned on me. I can imagine that day after getting home from school, sitting down to eat that little third, year, third grade girl, same grade as me, begin to pray for my salvation. There's no doubt in my mind that she told her parents that there was a boy on the bus who didn't even know what a Christian was. Never think that God can't use you. There's no excuse for not doing what God would have you to do. Whatever excuse you think that you have for not doing what God is calling you to do, You can get rid of it because God has chosen you. He has burdened your heart to do it. And He knew all about those excuses when He did it. Notice that in verse 13, Moses tries to put God off by praying that He'll send someone else to do the job. All that did was make God angry. So angry that he promised Moses that he would send somebody with him. His brother Aaron. And let Aaron be his spokesman. But if you study the word of God, you'll find that Moses did all the speaking when they got to Egypt. All Aaron did was lead the people into sin. They, they worship a calf on Aaron's behalf. Don't ever be afraid of being used by the Lord. 
He's still God. And He can take those whom He has saved and fill their minds and their mouths for His glory. As I said at the very beginning, I don't stand up here all alone. God is with me. He has given me a helper in the name of the Holy Spirit who dwells in my heart to lead and guide me into all, to all truth. If God can use a donkey to speak to Bible, a rooster to speak to Peter, an old sheep pie to speak to Gideon, then he can use you. You just need to be available. And whatever excuse you may have, you need to get rid of it. Well, I want to close with this. And I want you to know this. God wants to use you. He has saved you by His grace. He has made something out of your life and now the best thing you can do is to quit with the excuses and get busy doing what the Lord has burden your heart to do. So quit the excuses and be like Isaiah and say, Hear my Lord. Send me. Amen. Really? Yes, sir.